0: Hi, everyone. Just wanted to share a word with you. I feel God put on my heart for the church, us at this time. I think one of the key words that I keep hearing over and over again is the word essential. And, uh, you know, the essential services, what is essential in this time? And I think it's not a, a word for just this time. How do we, the church, become the essential part of our culture we're called to be without compromise, without leaving behind what we're called to stand for? And yet stand for what we're meant to outside of the walls of our church. And so I just felt God gave me six specific things that I think can be helpful not only for the church as a as a whole, but each of us individually as part of the church. Um, one of the things is Matthew five thirteen. I think we need to be reminded of we're we're called to be the salt of the earth, but the scriptures remind us, "What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again?" It'll be thrown out and trampled under the foot as worthless. Again, the point and purpose of the church is to be the seasoning, the flavor in the world we're in. Not just in a building, not just when people come to our meetings, not just on a Sunday and for right now as we telecast out there, but ongoingly the salt of the earth. And it goes on and it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. And I think for us we've we've started to do that. We've become essential we've become essential to ourselves, essential to the churched. Our buildings are a certain way for the churched. Our meetings are a certain way for the churched. And it's again, we're meant to bring people through to maturity, that's part of our call. But we're also meant to be integrated into our society so that we stand out in the midst of darkness. So we bring the saltiness into a place where there's bland and death and nothing that needs life that we're meant to bring. And so I just wanna share these these quick six things with you. I don't wanna take a lot of time, But uh, spend some time jumping in them. Let them sink into us. The first thing I believe we need to make a key part of who we are as a church, individually and corporately, is prayer. We've got to be those who pray. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our friends. And again, prayer can begin to sound quite religious. It's just something you do. It sounds nice. But the truth is, is prayer is not the least thing we can do. My wife's famous for saying this. It's not the least we can do. It's the most. So I want to encourage us. We need to be prayers. We need to intercede for our leaders. Pray for your president, your prime minister. Pray for your governors and and people over your region. Pray for them, especially if you disagree with them. And don't pray that they become like us. Pray that they become who God's called them to be. Pray for wisdom. Pray for humility. Pray that God will guide them. But I also say, pray for us to have doors, favor to speak with them, favor to share with them, favor to, to, to let them know we've been praying for you remember having the privilege in the church we led in the city we were in. Each and every year, we'd have a mayor's prayer breakfast. And sometimes the mayor was a Christian, but quite often they weren't. But what an incredible privilege to rally around someone they knew we disagreed with on many, many things, but to say, we wanna pray for you. And our prayers weren't make them like us, make them have our decisions. Our prayers were, Lord, bless them, guide them, give them wisdom, bless their family, bless their kids. And what it did is it gave us a voice into our community we wouldn't have had otherwise because our mayor trusted us, even if they disagreed with us, because they knew we had their best and the community's best in mine. They knew that we were getting before our God and praying for them and for the things around us. So I wanna encourage us, be prayers. There's nothing that's more powerful than tell your neighbor, I've been praying for you. Even if they don't want, I've had people say, I don't want your prayers. I say, that's okay. Just know that I'm praying for you. And when times got tough, they came to us because they knew we had been praying for them. They knew they mattered to us. Pray for your friends. Pray for family. Let it be always something to say, I've been praying for you. And again, it can sound contrite. It can sound dishonest, but if it is honest prayer before God, it carries an incredible weight. Uh, Timothy, uh, Paul reminds Timothy, I urge you, first of all, uh, 1 Timothy 2 uh, verse 1, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. We need to be prayers, point one. Point two, presence. And I don't like typically alliterate, uh, but it is something that just came in this time. Presence, in other words, being there in our communities. Don't let the church be that building over there and that building over there. Let the church be the people in the streets, the people in the businesses. They're the people feeding those people. They're the people helping out uh, that house that just burned down. That family needed something. There was the church. We need to be seen around our community so that we rub shoulders. We work side by side with the unsaved. Our presence needs to be felt. So in times of crisis, we're not absent. We're desperately needed. The community, the leaders say, we need the church. Call the church first. That presence makes such a huge difference. And in Mark 12, verse 29 through 31, Jesus says, the most important commandment is this, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And I think, I trust we do that well. But the second part of it here is so key. The second is equally important. And I believe it's equally important because it reflects the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Well, again, love is something we can say, but it's always better if it's something we do. We demonstrate the love we have by our actions. And we need to just be out there caring for our neighbors, caring for our community. If there's a tragedy in the community, the, the church is on the scene. And it doesn't have to be just our church, but let it begin with us and then working together with other churches in the community. Number three, the poor. First was prayer, second, presence, being there, the third is the poor. And again, uh, Jesus spoke much about the poor, but one of the, the heart of God is that those who have care for those who do not have. The early church was known for that. People sold their houses, sold their their possessions and gave to those who had need so that none had too little and none had too much. And I'm not saying you go sell your house, do what God leads you to do. But if we do have more than we need, we need to make sure that we're caring for those who don't have enough. And it's a privilege to care for the poor. We've had the, the honor of bringing people and walking them through homelessness, into a life, into work and opportunity and growing and finding joy in themselves and finding their destiny in Christ. It is an incredibly rewarding thing. That's not the reason we do it. But what a blessing, what a privilege to, to care for those who are left alone. And as we begin to do that, our communities will recognize the church is taking care of a need of the community. It makes us essential to those around us. And again, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 9 says, remember this, A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So don't go do this because I said so. Don't go do this out of religious duty. Do it because you you love and you want to give and, and do it with joy because God can entrust us with more as we give more. And he says, and God will generously provide all that you need Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And friends, it says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. What an incredible privilege and call. And you know, know, James reminds us, what good is it to say, oh, I wish you well and not do anything about it. We need to care for those we see. We need to be those the community knows as the ones that look after the unloved. Next one in this, number four, power. How do we become essential in the community? Well, friends, we're not natural people. We're not meant to be. And I think sometimes we operate way too naturally. We have church. we, We do meetings. We do what we can do. And that's good. We need to do what we can. But we need to remember that we are filled with the spirit of God, the power of God, the one that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within us. And if the community can begin to see Christians praying for the sick and seeing them healed, addressing things in a supernatural way, giving prophetic words that that encourage people and set people free. If we're known as the ones, that's that guy. He prophesied over me. That's that woman. She shared something with me and I so needed to hear it. We become essential to the people themselves that even if the leaders don't see it, the community will, will begin to rally together to say, we need the church. People are sick. Call the church so they can pray and people can be healed. Friends, we are not meant to operate in the natural only. We are meant to be supernatural people living in a natural world. And again, if you don't think you're a part of that, 1 Corinthians 12, verse four to seven, says there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, that's us, every one of us, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. In each one of us, the manifestation, the the presence of the Spirit of God is given to each of us for the common good. And yes, it's the common good of the church, but even more, it's the common good of everywhere we go and in all that we do. Prophetic words, healing, signs, wonders, miracles, things that accompany those that preach the gospel. It says that people brought the sick to Jesus. It didn't say he brought the church to the saved. they brought the sick. And they saw the miracles. They heard the gospel. Let people come and bring the sick to us or let us be where they are so that the power of God can be displayed and that essential nature of the church can be felt and established. Number five, provision. And this kind of goes along with the poor, but it's in a bigger scale. We need to be generous toward others. Provision. We mustn't be the ones in line for a handout. Give us, we want this, we want that. We must be those who are giving open-handed blessing, not toward foolish things, But you know, there can be building projects of other churches. There can be building projects in the community of a worthwhile community venture that the church can come alongside and say, we wanna give to this, or we wanna give time, or we wanna come, we we had the privilege of helping to paint and restore an old building in the town we were in. And it was cool to see all the churches out there working together, but what was even greater was to see all the volunteers that came that were unchurched, unsaved, and even employees of the city who came and worked side-by-side with us and would ask, why are you doing this? We'd have the chance to share, this is our city. We love this place. We pray for this place. How could we not come out and help? You see, the generosity of our lives around us makes us essential. The mayors, the the leaders of our community, if a project comes up, they go, hey, you know what? Call the church. They helped us last time. Maybe they'll come again. Again, becoming essential to the community, a part, a key part of where we live and the place we get to, to serve God in. Family and friends, neighbors, co-workers, city, municipality, fine, get out there and be a blessing to businesses, even unsaved business owners coming alongside and helping them. And again, for, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, again, reminds us whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. We should give as we can. We, we, we give out, we trust God, we give of time, not just of money, but time, skills, materials, giving away ourselves for the things of our King and his kingdom. Last one here, persistence. And this one's key because. This is not a short-term thing. This is not a, hey, go do this for a little while and then move on to the next. This is part of the fabric of the church. We need to become essential, not change who we are, but become who we're supposed to be. Because you see, we're not everything we're supposed to be and we're always on a journey. But I believe these are some of the key ingredients to the church globally becoming more effective. We found that the church, and especially in third world countries during this crisis, have been far more effective, far more needed, given essential status, because they were already engaged in these things. And it's interesting in the first world context, we kind of think we know everything, but to have the privilege to watch guys function in a third world context. And when this happens, they're carrying on, they're effectively touching lives. There's a lot we can learn. So I want to encourage us first to a third world context, learn from each other, get out there and be persistent, carry on in these things so that we will be known for generations of affecting and being essential to the communities that God's placed us in. And... Uh, one thing in it, 1 Corinthians 13, seven reminds us of love, the way of love. It says it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Let what we do be for the sake of loving Jesus, and loving people. Let it never be about uh, we want more people to come, we want more. It can't be about those things. Our success is, is weighed by God. Have we loved? Have we cared? Have we reached out? Have we done what we were privileged to be called to do? To the best of our abilities and with generous generosity beyond measure let the answer to those questions be absolutely yes and i just want to encourage us again friends when crisis arises let us the church be the ones that they pick up the phone and call first let us be the ones that they think of many different organizations that are still in existence today were birthed out of that desire from the salvation army to the red cross they were birthed in the birth in the heart of christians who desired to take the church outside of its walls and become a needed part of our society, shaping society from within by representing Jesus in it, light in a dark place, salt in a world that needs the flavor of Jesus. Please be encouraged. Know that we're praying for you and we'll trust to become essential now and into the future. Trust you well. Take care. Bye-bye.